Well, good morning, friends. It is good to be with you all this morning. Band, thank you. Wow, what a set. Uh, that was one of my favorite songs there at the end. So thank you guys for honoring that. Glad you guys are with us this morning. Uh, wonderful to be with you, especially if it's your first time here at West Bowles. First time in a long time. Uh, great to have you back. This morning is an important morning for us. Uh, it's a morning we've been hoping for, praying for, working towards for a long time. Uh, a morning where we're just going to kind of re-envision and maybe recommit ourselves to the words that are written right up here. This church has been so faithful to these words, but today we're going to try to find some new, fresh, and exciting ways uh, to live those out. So I'm so glad that you're here to be a part of it. I know many of us are mourning the end of the summer. I thought Ryan was going to get booed off the stage when he brought that up. Uh, but I've heard, at least around here, the end of the summer means the beginning of the Bronco season. So right, you have one thing to look forward to. And I've definitely seen more jerseys and t-shirts today than I have. I'm sure that's only going to continue uh, as it goes. But let me pray for us, and we'll dive right into it. We've got lots to cover. God, you are an amazing God. There is no God like you. And so we just humble ourselves this morning and say, thank you. We love you. Speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I find it amazing how one little thing has the power to change everything around it, completely change everything around it. Think about one wasp flying around your picnic lunch. Can wreck the whole thing, right? Especially if you respond to wasps like me. Or one mosquito bite, especially in certain places, can bother you for days and days and days. One pimple on the tip of your nose, especially on prom night, not exactly what you're looking forward to. One chip on your windshield, one door ding on your new car, right? One little thing can drive you crazy. But the flip side is true, one extra hour of sleep, oh, the joy. One scoop of cold stone, I don't care how bad your day has been, best day ever and one random act of kindness one note of encouragement one unexpected gift one find of money in your you know your pant pocket one little thing can change everything and nowhere is the power of this one more evident than throughout the pages and the stories of scripture you see god doesn't need a lot to do a lot our God specializes in the power of one. In one day, he creates the universe as we know it. I have a good day. I get to most of the emails and I, I write some sermons. God makes the universe. With one breath, he infuses humanity with life. Through one boat, he saves the entire animal kingdom. He takes one little boy with one little slingshot and defeats one nasty giant. He empowers one courageous woman to stand before one king to save an entire nation. He chooses one man to spread the gospel to the entire Gentile world. And if you really want to see the power of one, then just look to Jesus. You see, Jesus emulates this in a way no man ever has. His entire life, his entire ministry, his entire death revolves around the power of one. One little baby on one little night in one little manger proves to us forever. God's not out there somewhere. He's right here with you. One touch from this man heals the sick. One word from this man calms a storm or casts out a demon. One act of service with one basin of water, with one towel around his waist, redefines forever greatness and power. One cross, one death, one act of obedience reconciles all things back to God. One empty tomb proves we have nothing to be afraid of. You see the power of one? 
Oh, the power of one is incredible. That's why Paul says this in Ephesians 4. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together. You need a oneness, church, because there's one body, one spirit. Just as you were called the one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God, and one Father who is over all and in all and living through all. It's about the power of one. The simplicity of it and the solidarity of it makes it an incredible combination. And when you talk about the power of one, you have to talk about the power of one life. Because most of us understand that and have had the experience uh, like that, haven't we? It's, it's one person, it's one high school teacher, it's one coach, it's one mentor, it's one stepfather, it's one person in our life who changed our lives forever. There's power in one, power in one life, one act, one moment. There is so much power. John made this incredible video to show you that power. It's the truth that God doesn't need a lot to do a lot. One life, one goal, one dream, one vision, one spirit, one example. And I want this truth to excite you this morning. I want this truth to empower you this morning. I want this truth to enliven you this morning. Because just like the Blues Brothers, we're on a mission from God. <laughs> we are on a mission from God, church. Think about the last four weeks. If you haven't been with us, go back and listen to those sermons. We've been talking about who God is. Because as we understand and redefine and, and rediscover who God is, we begin to figure out who we are, who we have been created to be. God is a ludicrous lover, and thus we have been made to love God, to love ourselves, and to love others in ludicrous ways. God is the sovereign, all-powerful speaking one. And thus we have been called and created to speak life, to create life, to call people into things. God is the dedicated deliverer. 
who frees us and then invites us into sharing that freedom with others. God is the relentless reconciler, bringing us back to him, bringing us back to one another, and bringing us back to creation. God is all of those things, and that's who you have been created to be. That is your calling. That is your purpose. That is why you are here. And that sounds great on paper, and that makes for a great sermon series. But it's hard to do, isn't it? It's so hard to do. If you're anything like me, this, mes- this me- message of mission, say that five times fast, living for Jesus, becoming like God, it's exciting and it's terrifying all at the same time. It's so enlivening and yet it's crippling all at the same time. I mean, where do you even begin? That list that we read for you this morning, I don't know about you, but my heart was heavy as he's reading all those words. As Nathan's up here trying to expand our vision way beyond ourselves, my heart is heavy. Where do you begin? I mean, I got enough problems in my own life. You talk about the Fitzpatrick family, we got a lot of stuff going on. I don't even know how to deal with all that stuff. You ask me how to deal with my family or my community, throw on top of that the issues that the world is facing, where do you begin? This mission of God, this calling of God, it's overwhelming. The enormity of evil is overwhelming. The overwhelming nature of the obstacles, the complexity of the calling, it can paralyze you. There's so much to do, so pain in the world, so many problems to fix. And so you just kind of want to find a corner and lay in the fetal position like, I don't know. I'm just scared. Okay, maybe I'm the only one that does that. But (laughs) we cannot forget, church, the power of one. When you're in those moments When you're overwhelmed by the obstacles and the evil, you have to remember the power of one. The enemy would love for you to believe. The problems you face are too big. The mountains in front of you are too high. The issues are too complicated. Your efforts are too small. What you have to offer is too inadequate, but nothing could be further from the truth. We serve the power of one, the God who is the power of one. It's one life, one moment, one gift, one invitation. So this morning, I want to share with you something that God laid on my heart the last few months for this church. And again, it's a re-envisioning, a recommitting to things that I think could have a profound impact in our church, our homes, and our community. We're going to call it, guess what? The power of one. <laughs> surprise, surprise. But it's a set, a series of seven different ones that I think when committed to can result in amazing, amazing good. And this isn't something we're just going to talk about today and then kind of move past. This is something we as a church are committing to for several months, if not the next year. Faithfulness, steadfastness are not things that our culture emphasizes. We are going to remain faithful to this and come back time and time and time again. So call it the fall campaign, call it the 2014 kickoff, I don't care what you call it. I want you to commit to it. Let's commit to these things. The first is this, give one. If you look at the budgets of most churches or most nonprofits, a lot of them spend a vast majority of their money, of their donations on themselves. The average is about 95%, in fact. And although it does take money to pay for the lights and to clean things and to fix things and to pay for staff, Christians have to constantly strive to give more of their stuff away. They have to constantly strive to share more and more of their resources and their funds. And here at West Bowles, we're committed to at some point becoming a 50-50 church where every dollar we get in, another dollar goes out. 
It's loving our neighbors as we love ourselves, one for one. Now we're not there yet, so we need your help. And how about we just start with one? Each and every week, I'm gonna ask you to give one dollar, one extra dollar. And we're gonna ask you to give that as you leave. We're gonna have bins in in the aisles here. We're gonna have baskets all throughout the church. Give one extra dollar. And the hope is that every single person in this church from age two to 102 will just drop a dollar in one of those bins. And then what we're gonna do is every Monday morning as a staff, we're gonna go hand deliver all those $1 bills to a family in need right here in our community. We know a lot of those families, don't we? So many people are struggling. So many people are in need. We've had families lose loved ones the last couple of weeks. We can't wait, all of us. It could be $800 this week, tomorrow morning. West Bowles loves you. We wish it could be more in a couple years I'll have another zero on it. (laughs) Okay, that was a crazy dream. (laughs) Maybe like dot zero zero or something. (laughs) One extra dollar. The Lord doesn't need much to do much. He doesn't need a lot to do a lot. Give one extra dollar. But this church and the needs of this community extend way beyond this one dollar. So as a church, in addition to giving one extra dollar, we're going to challenge you to do more. If Barna and other church research groups are correct, the average Christian gives 2.37% of their income to the church or to nonprofits. Now that's disheartening for a lot of different reasons. For one, it's low, but number two, you don't read 2.37 anywhere in the scriptures. God's model has always been 10%. And in fact, the New Testament model is even greater than that. 2.37%, that's pathetic. How about we start with one, one more. So as a leadership team, we are gonna challenge you, church, to give 1% more of your overall income to the work and mission of this church. If you have no idea what you've given to this church, Melanie will be happy to help you. Our administration pastor will have your information in the back. No, I'm just kidding. But she will be happy to help you. If you haven't given anything to the church, this is super simple. One more. 1% of your overall income. Let's raise that to 3.37%. If the percentage thing doesn't do it for you, I want to challenge you to do this. Give a one-time financial gift to the work and mission and ministry of this church. Help us to start this new season off right. Now, I know this is taboo and we don't talk about it anymore, but let's talk about the Super Bowl just for a second. (laughs) Boo. I feel as if West Bowles is kind of at halftime right now. They've had a rough go for a little while. They've been faithful, though. The staff has been incredible in keeping this place alive. And now the second half is about to begin. And if we don't start off well, if we don't start off right now, the enemy runs the kickoff back and we're done. We've got to start off strong. Let's smack the enemy in the mouth right now, right off the get-go, get back in this game and win this thing. I'm ready to do it. We're gonna need your help to do it. A few weeks ago, I asked the staff to start dreaming. I said, tell me the three dreams you have for your ministry and for this church. Guys, I can't tell you how exciting that read was. I just sat there in my office, yes, yes, yeah. They have big dreams. We want to remodel the chapel. 
use it as an incredible space to bless and serve and reach our community. Wedding venues, funerals, community events. We want to develop the third story in the gathering place into a community resource center, a counseling center, a nonprofit center. One of my dreams is to pay our staff actually what they're worth or to pay them retirement because it's a shame that we don't do that right now. If we had greater resources, if we had more money, we could do these things and then some. So I challenge you, give a dollar, give one more percent, give a one-time gift. Listen to the words in Malachi 3.10. The Lord starts this passage off by saying, church, you've been robbing from me. You're stealing from me. They respond by saying, how are we robbing from you? We're not taking anything away from you. And the Lord says, your tithes. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. There will be enough food in my temple. And if you do this, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I'll open up the windows of heaven itself for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, try me, put me to the test. Most Christians know that passage, you should not test the Lord. He actually gives you one little out. This is the out. This is where you can test him as it pertains to giving. So let's give one. One dollar, one percent, a one-time gift. We're ready to go for the next season. Number two, donate one. In addition to giving, we're going to ask you to donate one specific item each and every month to a local ministry, charity, or nonprofit that West Bowles partners with. Now, it sounds like West Bowles has been great at doing this already throughout the history past, and so we're just going to kind of clean this up. It could be blankets, food, jackets, toys. It's more or less a way for us to be strategic and to develop some great partnerships in our community. So every month, it might be Christmas boxes for Juarez, clothing for veterans, blankets for teenage moms, themed goodie baskets for an adoption gala. We're going to find organizations right here that can do so much more if they had so much more of this. And West Bowles is going to say, we'll give you that. We will partner with you to give you that. I love Acts 2. It says of the new church, they sold their goods and possessions and they shared with anyone who had need. We've got some needs in our community, church. We've got to share with them. Let's share some items. Let's donate one. We're going to give one. We're going to donate one. And then we're going to memorize one. Each and every week, we're going to challenge you to memorize one specific scripture. We've been doing this the last couple of weeks. Hopefully this is nothing terribly new to you. But if we want to know, rely on, and believe in the power of God's word, we have to read God's word. It has to be inside of us. I love Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Yeah, the iPhone can light up a dark path. I get that. But it can't talk to you about purpose and meaning and why you're here and why you should stick around and what you're going to do with your life. You know what can the word of God the word of God can break every chain and go over those nasty lists we read before and actually do something about it. The word of God is that. So we need to be in it. We need to have it memorized. Scripture illuminates. Scripture guides. Scripture leads. Scripture tells us where to go, when, and how. God commanded his people to literally bind the scripture on their head and walk around with it on there. The psalmist rejoiced in the fact that he meditated and memorized God's word day and night. And Jesus fought off satanic attack. How? Through the memorized word. So we as a church are committing to memorizing one. This week, you could do the Psalm 119 if you wanted, but how about you do Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Half of that verse just says one. So if you remember the word one, you'll be okay. But memorize Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 this week. And let's see what happens. Okay. How we doing? Those are the easy ones. 
Let's move on. Next, we're going to ask you to reserve one. If we're going to grow in our faith and live in tune with God, if we're going to become more like him and fully live out the mission of God, we're going to have to train ourselves, still ourselves, position ourselves in front of God, before God, and with God. I had a friend who started at a new church several years ago, and a guy named Jimmy came up to him. And Jimmy was just kind of one of those cranky old men, complained about everything, was a little bitter, had a little, a little something to say about everything. And an older lady came up and just said, oh, you'll have to forgive Jimmy. That's just who he is. And I don't know if my friend didn't like his job or not, but he responded with this. Jimmy, that's unacceptable. You've been called to become more like Christ, not more like Jimmy. And to become more like Christ, it's going to take some intentionality, isn't it? Sitting here for an hour a week, although we love you here, it's not going to do it. There's a mantra out there, the more you know, the more you'll grow. Wrong. All the demons and Satan himself knows the word of God inside and out. So you can't just know it. You have to show it. And we're going to commit to doing that. So reserve one. What do we mean by that? Well, I guess we have a text. Let me show you a text. I'm going so fast, I'm forgetting these things. Reserve one. Deuteronomy 11 says this. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Obey all of these commands that I'm giving to you. Show love to the Lord your God by walking in his ways and holding tightly to him. That takes Jimmy from being like Jimmy to Jimmy being like Jesus. When you are committed to this word and it's on your mind and your heart at all times. So in light of this, in light of the discipline passages that we read about, in light of the devotion passages that we read about, we're gonna challenge you to reserve one hour a week outside of this Sunday morning gathering to engage in a spiritual discipline of some sort, either by yourself or maybe even better yet with your family. Unplug from the world. Turn off the TV. Put the iPhone down. Turn Siri off. Take the internet. Shut it down. Unplug from the world and position yourself with and before God. Spend time alone or with your family engaging in a spiritual discipline. Prayer, service, worship, encouragement, silence. Now there are a reason they are called spiritual disciplines. They're hard. I get it. It's gonna stretch us, it's gonna push us. We're not gonna know how to do some of them. So what I want you to do is I want you to go online. We now have an entire website built just for the power of one. On the top heading, you'll see power of one. Every single one of the seven has their own link. On the reserve one link, we've put some resources on there for you when it comes to spiritual disciplines. Some of us are totally fresh and new at this. We don't know what to do. So we've defined those things for you. There's links for ideas. Then the second link is actually a family-friendly version. 16 weeks of things you can do with your family with spiritual disciplines. 20 to 40, 60 minutes, I don't know how long. Don't clap until you go read them. Um, <laughs> but they've got icebreaker questions, activities you can do, fun things to follow up with. It sounds stupid. Go online to unplug from the world. Idiot, idiot, but. <laughs> go online just for a few minutes and then unplug for an hour. There's some resources there. Shar has got a ton of books for you as well, families. And just so you know you're not off the hook, the kids are going over the power of one this morning in, in junior church. We have these kind of crafted in their language, every single one of them. 
And we hope they'll hold you accountable and vice versa to spending time together one hour a week, reserving that one hour to do things together with the Lord. In addition to spending an hour a week engaged in a spiritual discipline, we're gonna ask you to commit to one. We're gonna ask that you commit to engaging in one act of service for this church every month. So every week we want you unplugging and spending time with the Lord as a family or as an individual. Now we want you to spend one moment or one couple of hours or one day serving the church. Do that once a month. Service for most of us is spelled this way. Serve us. And we're not alone. It's kind of the American culture. It's a consumption culture. It's about what's in it for us. So we have to combat that, especially in light of Matthew 5. The Son of Man, the Lord of Lords, the commander of angel armies did not come to be served. But he came to serve, to give his life away, to help others. So we're going to combat and fight against the consumption culture by investing in, giving back, and serving this church. Now, I know that our schedules are jam-packed. I know serving this church once a month seems like it's crazy and, and not possible, but it's critical that if we want to start the second half off right, everybody put a little sweat equity into this thing. And we're going to find something for you. I promise you, from cleaning the church, to teaching kids, to cutting grass, to organizing prayer events, to Stephen ministry, to mops, we are confident we can find a place for you to serve on a regular basis in this church. Oh, and by the way, ministry fair next week. <laughs> Sometimes we know what we're doing. But next week, this hallway is going to be filled with tables, opportunities for you to say, you know what, I'd like to help you out for one, one time a month. Sign up for something, commit to something next month. We need you. We need your time, we need your energy, we need your efforts. That can make all the difference in the world. All right, how we doing? We okay? Our sixth one. Now we're getting into upper level. Seniors, here we go. Invite one. There's an invitational theme that runs throughout all of scripture. Come and see. Come and follow me. Come to the table. The spirit and the bride at the very end of Revelation say, come. Come on. God invites us. He constantly invites us into his presence, into his plans, into his purposes. And we have been invited by him to invite others into it as well. So each and every month, we're going to challenge you to invite one person who doesn't come to this church or any church for that matter to join you in attending something here at West Bowles. Invite one person, a friend from school, a teacher from school, a neighbor, a coworker, a family member, invite them to something. Sunday services, awesome. Family fun night, great. Awana, harvest festival, small group, hoedown. Start sharing what God is doing in this place and tell somebody, come and see. Come and see. I should do it in the mic side. Come and see. Come and see what God is doing. So invite one person a month to attend something with you here at West Bowles. And here's the best for last, probably the hardest for last. Our last one is bless one. What we want you to do on this is choose a non-Christian person that you know or a non-Christian family or neighbor or coworker. We want you to prayerfully consider them and then we want you to commit to blessing them in very tangible, practical, and consistent ways over the next several months. 
In John chapter four, Jesus gives us a model of ministry. We'll talk about it more here in a couple of weeks, but it's a model that we overlook. He doesn't throw a crusade. He doesn't organize a concert or a charity event of some sort. He goes out of his way to talk with one woman at a well. And he just talks with her. He loves her. He invites her into things. He shares his story and his life. They share a drink. Oh, it's an incredible story of the power of blessing one, loving one, investing in one. And so we're going to challenge you to reach out to one person as well. Every week, I'm going to ask you, who's your one? How's it going with your one? Because it's important that we have one in mind, that we are constantly thinking of other people. Right? It's easy to say, yeah, I care about homeless people. Okay, name one. Oh. Yeah, I care about the lost. Okay, name one. We don't want you just to name one, church. We want you to bless one. Pray for them, cut their grass, take their kids out to ice cream, know when their anniversary is, know when their birthday is, know when they're going through hard times. Commit and invest and bless them. Who's your one? Who's your one? Okay, I'm gonna need a nap today after this. One nap every Sunday after school. <laughs> now, I know that it seems like a lot because it is a lot, but it's actually not that much. And I want it to invigorate you and to excite you and to compel you moving forward. Little caveat here. You don't have to do these things, okay? This isn't law. We're not gonna be like, so how's your one? Oh, you didn't do them. You're not coming in. We're not, we're not doing that but we want you to try. We want you to be involved. We want you to give it a shot. Because here's the thing, God is taking the hard work the staff has done here for years, the tilling of hard soil, and he's about to have new, fresh, exciting things grow. And as that's happening, and as we look back on that happening, I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be able to say, I was a part of it. I was an intricate part of that new thing happening. I don't want you on the sidelines. I don't want you to talk about them. I want you to talk about us and what we have a church, as a church have committed to, okay? The power of one. One wasp, one mosquito, one pimple, one scoop of ice cream, or better yet, one dollar. One item, one verse, one hour, one act of service, one invite, and one family. God does not need a lot to do a lot. I invite you to experience that for yourself. We're running late. I apologize. I'm just long-winded. But the band, I'm going to invite them back up. I'm going to pray for us. I'll pray you out. The band will bless us with a song as we kind of leave this place. Thank you for being here this morning. Let's close with this prayer. Father, you are a great God, and we love you so much. There is no God like you. And we're just so honored that you've chosen to adopt us, to make us your own, to bring us back. You could have given up. You could have thrown in the towel, but you didn't. And so now, God, you are asking us to put you to the test, to put our faith to the test, to step out and to try something new. God, you don't need a lot to do a lot. Would you convince us of that the next couple of weeks and months and over the course of this year? We commit this campaign to you, the power of one. Use our ones to do incredible things in this place. Would you take our one sack lunch, our one little mustard seed of faith, and would it feed the multitudes? Would it give shade and covering to the masses? Please make it so. Bless this church. Empower us to live in and through you. 
and firmly believing in the power of one. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week. We'll see you again.